Two weeks from today, you don't have to buy your own lunch. Because we're going to have a great gathering right here following worship to say a special farewell to Dan and Leslie and Mabel and Lucy. We're not going to say goodbye. We're going to say farewell. Because, see, we are a congregation that believes in the sovereignty of God and loves the words, you go nowhere by accident, okay? God has been equipping Dan and Leslie for this chapter. And a lot of us are going, yeah, well, he he did it too fast. (laughs) Well, God's got plans. And God's got plans for the next chapter here. God has been equipping someone else to come here and continue ministry with youth and families. And that will happen too. But the mission field in Austin is ripe, and Dan and Leslie are going. And we can celebrate that. Even if if in some ways we go, I don't like that. We do it without grumbling. We do it with celebrating. And that's what our scripture is about this morning. We're remembering the master. We're remembering the one who set the sail and set the whole course for every one of our lives and the ministry of his church now, then, and forever. So let's look at how Paul describes that, continuing in our study of the book of Philippians, this wonderful personal letter, as we turn again to chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. He's just said, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then he begins by saying, Therefore, therefore, because that is the truth, my beloved, Just as you've always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring or arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation Over the sacrifice and offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. Is that a perfect word for us today? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God take this word and very personally and corporately apply it to our life together as the church as we celebrate the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit and leading us forward into a new chapter of serving Him. Let's pray. Our Father, how we do praise You that You faithfully, every day, not just on Pentecost, but every day, pour out Your Holy Spirit on our lives and give us abilities to work and will to Your good pleasure, to bring about Your good news in the world. And we pray that would happen now. We pray that 
your Holy Spirit would come upon us, not only in word, but in power, and with that full assurance, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. We pray all these things in the strong and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, this is a special day. Special day for a lot of reasons. A special day because we celebrate with Dan and Leslie the beginning of a new chapter for them. We celebrate because it's Pentecost. And on a national level, we celebrate because it is Memorial Day. A day in which we remember those who gave their last full measure of devotion to protecting the freedoms of this land, a land built on the Christian understanding of what Jesus called us to give to this world, true freedom, true freedom. This nation, the United States of America, is to be, as Paul describes, a light shining like stars. Does that mean other nations shouldn't be? No, it means that all nations should be, and our calling is to shine out so that that light would be reflected and begin to be reflected all over the world. And therefore, it is very appropriate to both these days that we hear the words of one who was willing to give his last full measure of devotion in following and proclaiming the hope Jesus gave in giving up his life so that we may truly have life, life beyond this life. Now, Paul is calling us to remember the master. Paul is calling us to remember the master, the one who showed us what our life is to be when it is in him. But how well do we remember what matters? That's a good question, isn't it? How well do we remember on a daily basis what really matters? How easily do we get distracted by lesser things and forget the sovereign word and will of God who is bringing about his will for his good pleasure in and through us? Now, I don't often, well, I don't do that often enough. I don't remember what matters often enough. And I've told some of you that... uh, When someone asked me if I wanted to take this food supplement, Keith, I think it's called ginkgo biloba. Yeah, okay. I I said, no, no no thanks. Uh, With my luck, I'd I'd just remember the stuff I need to forget. You know, (laughs) right? Yeah, I don't need it. There's a lot of stuff I need to forget, but there's stuff that I need not to forget. And the most essential part of that is that I belong to the one who died and rose again to give the life that really matters. So what are we remembering today? What are we remembering today and tomorrow and in this short life that we have? Is it something that draws us closer to following Jesus and making him known to the world around us? Or are we remembering something that is at best a distraction, or worse, a wedge that consumes us? Here's the question. What do we hold on to, and what do we let go of? That's a question we need to ask ourselves every day. See, the, the opening word, the opening word 
that we just read literally is wherefore. We say therefore, but the underlying meaning of that is because, because. It means that since Jesus was obedient, we are to be obedient. He's just referred back to Jesus, the name above all names, who was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And because of that, because he was that obedient, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says, therefore, because Jesus was obedient, y'all be obedient. In the Greek, there, there is actually a word for y'all. There is. We just say you and expect people to understand that it's plural. But he says, y'all be obedient, like Jesus was obedient. Not just when, when, when someone's watching. Paul says, hey, I want you to do this because you did it when I was there. But now, even though I'm not there and, and I'm not watching, do it all the more. Because everything Paul says in this passage is based on one thing. It's based on what Jesus did. Therefore, be like Jesus. Therefore, if he's going to be the knee that every or the the name that every knee bows to, therefore obey him. Give your life to him. This is the witness of God's Holy Spirit that we will live the life Jesus set out for us as we live in this power poured out on us. The good pleasure of God, the great delight that God will have, will come to us as we let God's Holy Spirit be operative in us. Paul calls us out of this awareness to, quote, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's been a mis a misunderstood word. It's not as a call to earn it, but rather be in awe of what that knee is saying when it bends. That he who was obedient unto death, even death on the cross, has given you new life. It's a call to be working with fear and trembling, not because we earn it, but because we cannot earn salvation. Be in fear and trembling because, oh my gosh, what have I been given? You see, it is by God's very nature a gift. We have been given a gift. It says in in the original Greek, holy cow. (laughs) Y'all, yeah, holy cow, y'all. We have got a gift. We cannot, we, we need to be shaken over this. And we are called then to treat this as a gift that is not like some free sample. It's not some little free sample that we taste and and then throw away the wrapper like we're walking through Costco. Oh, I wonder what else they've got for free today. (laughs) But rather, it is the gift of life. Don't throw this away. This is not just some little morsel. This is life. We are to come at this gift with fear and trembling, not because... We need to be afraid of not earning it. Don't be afraid of not earning what God has already given for free. But because, and not because we have to do this, but because we get to do it. We get to do this. We get to come before the throne of grace and say, thank you. I'm in awe. I'm in awe of what has been given to me, but thank you. 
We want to be like an athlete on the starting line. Paul says that. That's why I've got my running shoes on today. That's what the fear and trembling are like. Ready, set. Yeah, yeah. Anxious, focused, thinking about one thing. Looking at that, that line that, to where we're to go, that goal. We are called to obedience like Jesus. To remember his example and to copy it with every fiber of our being. Jesus was not distracted. He was focused. And we're to be like that. Alec Motyer puts it so well. The task, he says, of the Christian is to be made in all things like the Son of God who took his obedience even as far as death, death on a cross. The writer of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 puts it this way. He says, so let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run, run with perseverance the race that is set before us, not giving up, looking to Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ and his example, we will not be distracted by those things that are taking stuff off in other directions. It is to be our joy, our joy, our deepest joy, to be counted worthy of carrying the name of Jesus into the world. We've all had things where we've been grateful and honored and proud to say, wow, I get to do this. But nothing is greater than to have been tapped on the shoulder and told, you are the one. You are part of the whole that takes the name of Jesus into the world and brings that sweet savor of salvation. The joy that is to be our fear and trembling then is that God has called us to his service. And God is equipping us to do what he wants for his pleasure. Now talk about a gift. Talk about a calling that makes anything less pale by comparison. We get to do what makes God joyful and complete, and we participate in that. But if we aren't remembering this at times, you know what will happen? We'll grumble. We'll grumble. We'll go, why? Why? And we'll start whining and we'll start crying. You know what? There's no crying in baseball. I mean, mean, there's no crying in the Christian faith. Not for that. Come on. We have been tapped to do this amazing thing and participate in this amazing thing that God's Holy Spirit is going to pour into us and equip us for don't gr- we don't grumble over that. But why do we grumble? Often because we are called to do something that gets in the way of what we want to do. Or what we think someone else should do. Shouldn't somebody else be doing that? I don't want to do it. Rather than realizing that in the upper story of God's calling... There is no way we would want anyone to take our place. That's the key in all of this. If God has called us to be his servants and to proclaim his name in the world, that's the greatest honor anyone could ever have. It's the greatest fulfillment, the joy of 
we, we could ever have in this world. Why would we say, couldn't somebody else do it this time? No, we would never want that. We forget this when we think first in terms of human comfort rather than the eternal honor. We need to remember, as Christian writer Gary Thomas has put it so well, that God has called us to holiness before he has called us to happiness. And it is out of holiness that God's happiness flows into us. Now, it's not lost on me that God uses the right race as a metaphor, a foot race. Now, I love that he says this as an older man who is in prison and about to have his life ended because a lot of you are going, running? Uh-uh, no, no, running is not good. I can't do running. He is still thinking about being ready for the starting line, and he's not deluded. He is remembering what Jesus showed right to the end be- and that because he was prepared, the end became the beginning. Because Jesus was prepared, the end became the beginning, and the same will be true for us. Like Paul, I want to be prepared to run a marathon, guess what? On the last day of my life. That's going to look really funny, okay? It's going to look real funny to the world. There he is, he's got his walker out there in front of him. But I'm gonna, I want to be ready to do it. I want my life to be poured out in its last breath in that marathon capacity. It might not be my fastest marathon, but it will be my best, okay? It will be the best one we ever run because we were still running at the very end. And this is what will come from remembering the master when we look at Jesus. He did not run out the back of the Garden of Gethsemane, out the Mount of Olives, and out into the desert and hide out. He, what did he do? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He ran right into the battle. And we will too because we remember him. The joy of having been saved and, and put on the starting line by grace compels us forward, not with grumbling, but with excitement, focused passion for the opportunity to be what and who God calls us to be in Jesus Christ. Imagine, imagine. The most important thing in the whole world, think about it. You're starting for the Detroit Tigers, Steve. You're on the mound, I'm gonna hand you the ball. You know, think about the thing that you would count as incredibly important. Surely you're going to be the first woman president of the United States. You know what? Dave, you're going to be the first guy that summited Mount Everest without oxygen and solo. Nobody, <laughs> nobody did it, but you did it. Okay? That's what Jesus makes possible. And so we go to that starting line with fear and trembling. Oh my gosh, I'm on the mountain. Yeah, because he said, you're going to do this. I'm going to make it possible. I've, I've called you to do this. It's not crazy because God has said, I'm going to do this through you. Now, I have dreams like that for how this congregation will be a shining light. And the congregation that gets started in Austin, Texas, is going to be a shining light that is so bright that it straightens out the crooked road for the world around it 
and draws people to know Jesus Christ personally and intimately. That's what's going to happen. The dream includes every person here in Austin and everywhere around the world finding Jesus' call in the simplest way every single day and following him so that others cannot help but see and hear this word of life that Paul refers to, the word of life. This is, I'm not messing around now, word of life is literally logos zoe, the word of eternality that God alone can make possible and that people cannot help but see that it's the life that's beyond this life, that everything else is is details because only Jesus can give this and it all comes down to learning to remember what Jesus taught us, not what the world teaches us, and holding on to this. That's what Paul says. Hold on to this, because everything else is details. Dallas Willard, the late Dallas Willard, put it so well when he said, the abundance of God is not passively received and does not happen to us by chance. The abundance of God is not passively received and does not happen to us by chance. The abundance of God is claimed and put into action by our active, intelligent pursuit of it. We must act in union with the flow of God's kingdom, God's Holy Spirit life that comes to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ who has sent us his Holy Spirit. And there, out of that, the abundance comes. He says, we cannot do this, of course, purely on our own. But we must act. Grace is contrasted with earning, but not with effort. Well-directed, decisive, and sustained effort is the key to the keys of the kingdom and to the life of restful power in ministry. We say, okay, you've called me to the mount. You've called me to the mountain. You've called me to the White House. You've called me to Austin. You've called me to go take Carson City, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you are the one who has called, and you have equipped, and you will make it possible. But I have to act. Woody Allen is a lousy theologian. But he did say something really good, and that is 80% of life is showing up. I would say as Christians, 100% of life is showing up because God's Holy Spirit will act to us and through us when we do. This involves doing simple things. Oftentimes, we complicate the whole gospel message way too much because in simple things, we realize who we are called to be, what our identity is to be. Our being, who Jesus died to make us, shapes us and informs us, often beginning in very simple ways, as Admiral William McRaven, a 36-year SEAL veteran, illustrated in his commencement address last year in Austin, Texas, at the University of Austin, and he titled his talk, Ten Lessons to Change the World. Here's just real quick, his first lesson about that. He said, every morning, every morning, Every morning, did I say that? Every morning in SEAL basic training, my instructors would show up in my barracks room and the first thing they would inspect was your bed. Not your weapon, your bed. If you did it right, 
The corners would be square, the covers pulled tight, the pillows centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. Rack, that's Navy talk for bed. It was a simple task, mundane at best. But every morning, we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened seals. But the wisdom of this simple act has proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. Little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you will never do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made that you made. And a bed, a bed made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. Okay. My friends, making our bed is remembering what Jesus showed us every day. Jesus was in the word every day. Jesus was praying every day. Jesus was looking every day for that simple opportunity to tell someone about what it means to be in right relationship with God. Making our bed is learning to be people whose lives reflect this in who we are and therefore what we say. We speak the name of Jesus in our words and, our, and in our actions because of what he has done for us. And out of this, we offer ourselves as a tribute, as Paul describes, like a glass of wine. Hold up your glass of wine. If you're a teetotaler, it's root beer. Okay? That's our life. And we pour it out at the feet of Jesus as an honor because he is the emperor, the king, the owner of our lives. And we do so not because we have to, not because we're grumbling about it, but because out of joy and humble gratitude, we say thank you to the king for giving us new life. As he writes this, Paul's about to die. And he's telling the church, this is who they are to be. He's telling us, this is who we are to be. It's Memorial Day, and this scene came to mind. In the closing scene of saving Private Ryan, the captain who has led the mission to save Private Ryan is mortally wounded. His last words to Ryan are simply this. Earn this. Earn this. He does not mean earn it because no one is worthy of someone else's life, but rather live a life that shows you are willing to let your life go for someone else. Live your life that shows you are willing to let your life go for someone else. As the body of Christ, we are to be the shining lights of the word of life that Jesus has died to give. I read this. Light is a beautiful illustration of something that does what it has to do by being what it ought to be. 
like the light, we must be if we are to do. The person who said that said, just as it comes naturally to our children first to crawl, and then not to crawl better, I think about Lucy, but to stand up upright and walk, so there is a natural expression of the life of God which we are to cultivate by deliberately adopted conduct. Our obedience is the way we enter in experience into the totality of what God is doing to us. Who here wants to crawl the rest of their lives? No one. Lucy wanted to get up and, and walk so she could run over to the cookie table in the Family Life Center. Yeah, food. Jesus Christ calls us to stand up and walk and then run so that we could run into the abundance of how, what he wants to give us. Since he therefore is doing all, we must do all. Our total response to his self-sufficiency. Lucy can walk and run because she walked mo watched mom and dad doing the same thing. Very normal thing. You wouldn't think of just, well, we want to be empathetic with her. We'll just crawl around. No. <laughs> We're going to walk. So she knows how to walk. We're going to live, we're going to be reflections of Jesus Christ so that people don't crawl around in the dirt forever. Do we want to be on the starting line? Or do we want to be grumbling that it is too hard or that someone else should be doing this? Do we remember what we have seen and have been given in a way that compels us to offer this gift to someone else whose life is crooked and not getting them home? Are we being intentional about biblically remembering what Jesus showed us? My friends, we are created to grow for God's good pleasure so that others may know Jesus and so that we may become complete in Jesus. This is the call of the gospel upon our lives. We need to take that step every single day. If you have never taken that step, See me today. See Dan today. See someone here today and ask, how do I take that step to Jesus in his taking that step toward me? And if you need to take that next step, if you've taken the first one, tell me or someone here today, and we will see to it that you have the support for your growth, that you may stop crawling and start walking and running to the master because this is what it means to remember the master. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for remembering us. Thank you for coming in the power of your Holy Spirit to blow away our spiritual amnesia and to call us to be on our knees before you that we may stand and walk and run as a shining light of Jesus Christ. All these things we pray in his holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand up. Let us stand up. And let us join our lives and our voices in remembering the most essential things, the Apostles' Creed. Let's say this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. 
He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.